session of the second and goal fantasy podcast i'm calvin your host here with you as always and in today's show i'll be talking some news briefly then giving a bold take and then jumping into previewing the afc north for fantasy football in 2021 be sure to check out the afc east episode that is also in your feed at this time gonna record that one right after this both are gonna be a lot of fun be sure to, of course, always follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF if you haven't already at SGF pod for the podcast. Subscribe to the show. Keep on downloading. Good to have you here. You specifically who are listening, who is listening. I appreciate you downloading and being here. And we're going to get into some great fantasy analysis that's going to help you win your league. So be sure to subscribe. I don't have anything that I do that isn't free. So that's the way you can support me, of course. S- subscribe, download, always appreciated. Just trying to grow the show in any way I can and help you guys out. That's all I'm doing over here. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, so I'll get into it in just a second. Of course, follow the Twitter and everything. Send fantasy questions to secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com. Also, I'm pretty sure I will be doing a Twitter space Wednesday night again. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, be sure to check that out tonight at eight. You can check my Twitter to see if I'm doing that. I think I will be, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but that was a lot of fun last week. So I'll try to do it again. If I can fantasy football talk at eight o'clock, that's where you can ask me questions live and stuff like that. And just talk fantasy for an hour. It's fun. So let's get into it. First, we got news and it relates to one of the teams we're talking about on this episode. Deshaun Watson's suspension has been increased to 11 games with a $5 million fine after a settlement was reached with the NFL. So Watson's suspension now up to 11 games. I've shared my thoughts on like the suspension itself in the past and the terrible stuff that he's done. But the point being, this is obviously a fantasy football show and we're talking fantasy. And I think now, like fantasy-wise, this 11-game suspension makes Deshaun Watson really just not very draftable in fantasy football. He's not draftable in a league where you don't have IR, and he's not draftable in a league where you do have IR and can't put suspended players on your IR spot. If you can do that, then and you have maybe multiple IR spots with a lot of flexibility, then maybe you can consider him in the last round or two. But it's just not worth it. Because say you're in a league like like I am in a lot of leagues, with like nine starting spots, seven bench slots. I don't have space to keep a guy like that on my roster for 11 weeks. I'm always looking for guys on the waiver wire. And sure, theoretically, Deshaun Watson for the last six weeks of the fantasy season could be really good for you with his rushing upside. But I know myself and I know how I play fantasy and I know how I should play fantasy. And when week three comes around and I need a tight end off the waiver wire, I'm going to drop Deshaun Watson. It's that simple because the pick has already happened. And in my head, in any fantasy manager's head, I will know that Yes, I'm kind of like giving up on the cost I paid for Deshaun Watson, but that's in the past and that's something I can't change. How whatever a pick I picked Deshaun Watson with. But what you can change is not drafting him at all and not wasting that time in the first place and maybe instead drafting that backup tight end who actually would make it so they don't have to pick up a guy in week three. So yeah, it's been increased to 11. Like there's no point in drafting Deshaun Watson if you're not expecting to hold on to him for the season. That's basically what the point of his is here. Now let's get into a bold take. Bold take nine. Second to last one of the offseason, guys. Recorded bold take for the end of the year. And it's related to one I've done earlier. Daniel Jones will be a top 15 fantasy quarterback this year. That's my bold take. He's currently quarterback 23 on fantasy pros. And it's related to the Kenny Galladay bold take where I said he'd be a top 36 receiver. Because I think Kenny Galladay is going to be good. And I think Daniel Jones will be supported by that. Although, I guess my faith in Galladay is waning a little bit after this. Just, I don't know. He's looked. I don't like to 
base stuff off of training camp, but he's looked bad in training camp, like real bad. So I hope he's going to turn it on for the season. We're going to see. I'm not as high on him as I was last year. That's for sure. But, you know, still some faith there. Still think he's a value. But anyway, Daniel Jones, with or without Kenny Galladay, I still think is going to be very productive. The reason being upgrades all over the place. An upgraded offensive line. They just added Evan Neal. Upgraded running game with Saquon Barkley now not having an injury-riddled season. Obviously, he was hurt for a little bit last year. I think he's going to be better heading into this year. They added Wandale Robinson, who looks really good so far, and looks like a guy who could be very useful. Kadarius Toney as well. Lots of guys for Daniel Jones to throw to that aren't just Kenny Galladay. And I think he has some good arm talent and some rushing upside, which is going to provide him with a nice floor from week to week that's why i like him as a top 15 fantasy quarterback this year and i think he's a good value because you're not usually he's not usually a guy that's getting drafted in drafts all right afc north preview let's jump in let's start with the Bengals. first question for them how high should joe burrow go in fantasy this is an interesting one i think at quarterback he should probably go around where he is now in fantasy pros qb7 or qb8 him and Tom Brady, that comparison is pretty close. But Joe Burrow, we know, throws for a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns. And he's got some great receivers surrounding him. So he's going to be pretty good. I wouldn't draft him over guys with mega rushing upside like Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray. But after that, I mean, that's where around where he should go. I just don't like taking quarterbacks early in general, as you guys know, as I say pretty much every episode. Like, I, I swear I've said that like 150 times and we're in episode 151. So... Yeah, time number 151 of saying that I like to use the late round quarterback strategy and don't take quarterbacks early. It's just not worth it to pay up for someone who, at best case scenario, really just returns cost. And I don't see Joe Burrow as having QE one upside anyway. So that's where he should be in quarterbacks. I'm He's not on my board, really, in fantasy drafts because I pursue the late round quarterback strategy. How high should Joe Mixon go is the next question. He's a guy maybe I'll pursue. He was elite last year. He was a solid RB1, and he's the RB6 currently on fantasy pros, which seems very, very fair to me. I see the five guys. I see like Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Austin Eckler. Those are the five guys ahead of him. I think those guys probably have more upside than Joe Mixon because all of them are in offenses that have really featured them to an extent that Joe Mixon probably won't be featured because although Joe Mixon gets a lot of snaps, they also don't run the ball that that much in Cincinnati. And I mean, Joe Mixon is still definitely a bell cow because he actually gets most of the snaps and most of the carries, but like they're still going to have guys who are effective in other aspects of the game. And obviously like for a guy like Austin Eckler, they have Keenan Allen over there in Los Angeles, but Austin Eckler was really the main driving force of this offense in terms of being a positional player outside of Justin Herbert. That's the same for Dalvin cook. And maybe you can argue Justin Jefferson, but the Vikings offense was just so run heavy and he's shown his upside. He's also got that passing game work. So Derek Henry, same he's feature. Jonathan Taylor is a feature CMC. He's a feature and catches passes. It's important to have one of those two things. And Joe Mixon does catch passes and he is featured, but he's not, the main driving engine of this offense always. So he's going to be great pretty consistently, but he's not going to be otherworldly pretty consistently because he doesn't catch CMC levels of passes. And he also like, I mean, they have Jamar Chase and T Higgins and a great QB. That's a lot to compete with. Not saying Joe Mixon's going to be bad though. That's all justifying why he's at RB six for me. I don't see him, why you should put a guy like Najee Harris out of him because I think Najee Harris is a guy who his reception totals were really inflated last year by Ben Roethlisberger, who loved to check the ball down. I think that's going down this year. And then a guy like Nick Chubb, I just don't love the upside there as much unless we see a Kareem Hunt trade, which is interesting. And that's actually something to keep an eye on for sure. So overall, I, I think Joe Mixon around RB6 is where you should take him. If you're going to take, I wouldn't mind taking him sixth overall. You could justify maybe Cooper Cup over him, but I would rather go RBs early. I'd rather take him at six overall. 
How would the targets be split in Cincinnati? I think it's going to be similar to how it was last year. We're going to see Jamar Chase. Maybe T. Higgins will get more targets again, just like he did last year. But Jamar Chase is going to have more big play upside. And I think Chase takes a step forward this year. And Higgins maybe doesn't keep up the same crazy pace that he had near the end of last year, just because there's so much that Chase is going to take over. I mean, he's such a superstar that it's going to be hard for Higgins to just dominate totally. So he'll have some maybe down weeks, but be great as well. Then Tyler Boyd, he's not really a guy worth drafting because he's going to be consistently waiver wire-ish. Like the consistent wide receiver, three wide receiver, four that you can pick up off your waiver wire every week. Much better to just match up play guys. So no need to prioritize Tyler Boyd. Let's move to the Browns. What does this offense look like with and without Deshaun Watson? So I guess I talked about with Watson, like he shouldn't really be, he shouldn't be on your boards for the most part, but with and without, I mean, I think either way, it doesn't affect the running game that much, at least for Nick Chubb. I don't know about, I mean, Watson hasn't historically checked down to running backs that much, but I think that could just be a product of his system rather than a product of him. We could see some, uh, good play for Kareem Hunt if Kareem Hunt sticks around. But the thing is, Watson's also a dual threat running quarterback. So once he comes back, that's going to be maybe a hit for Kareem Hunt because what we see with these guys in general, it's not just Watson. Dual threat quarterbacks don't tend to check down as much because instead of why would you throw the ball four yards when you are fast and can run the ball for four yards and maybe more? Like it, it's that's what crosses the mind of a lot of these players. So Hunt takes a hit with Watson, but fortunately for him, Watson's out for most of the year. I think it's going to be more of the same for Chubb, more of the same for Hunt, and a slight hit when Watson comes back, unless Hunt gets traded, in which Nick Chubb becomes a massive feature and a guy that I really like as a top seven RB and potentially even higher in fantasy drafts if Hunt is gone overall. Because, I mean, Chubb doesn't catch a ton of passes, but he's so dominant, and if he can have, like, all the work, it would just be huge. Although maybe we're overrating it. Maybe Chubb's really efficient because Kareem Hunt keeps him fresh. So we'll see. Overall, that's going to be a lot of upside, though, for Nick Chubb, who I think can handle any kind of workload. What's the RB situation? I kind of already talked about that. Could Kareem Hunt be traded? I guess I'll get to that. I think... I don't think so. The Browns declined his trade request. I haven't really heard much other than rumors of like articles being published that said, oh, Kareem Hunt could go to the Chiefs in this offer. That's them saying they could. That's no like source or anything saying anything about that. I think people would, I mean, wherever Kareem Hunt goes, he has potential to potentially be a top 12 running back on his own because he's really good. The Browns just haven't used him that way. And we know he wants a trade because he wants a new contract. But I don't think he's going to be traded for now. And I think we're going to see a lot of the same from this running back room. Unfortunately for both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt's fantasy values. Is Amari Cooper valuable this year in fantasy football? That's an interesting question. <sighs> And it's a hard question because really you can make a case that Amari Cooper is being just completely forgotten about because he is the wide receiver one in this offense and he can be supported by Jacoby Brissett because he's a good route runner and gets open in space in the short to intermediate game. Jacoby Brissett can make those throws and so can Deshaun Watson. When Watson comes back, Cooper's probably going to be a wide receiver two for fantasy. When Brissett's there, Cooper will probably be a back end wide receiver two slash wide receiver three. I don't think Cooper's the best player in the world or anything, but I think there could be a value because he's at wide receiver 27. And I think he's got a very good shot of finishing in the top 24 because of the target share that's going to be available. I know this offense is going to be run first, especially early in the year, but they got to throw to somebody. And I think now having the Baker Mayfield, Odo Beckham, will they, won't they situation out of there. I think it's going to be pretty clearly Amari Cooper for a lot of games and he'll have some good production, but who knows? He's been so weird, like on and off bust, boom, Throughout his career, nobody really knows at this point. 
So it's there's some risk there, but I think he's still like there is some risk, but I'd like to think because of his route running that he has at least some sort of floor. Moving to the Ravens, what are we feeling about Lamar Jackson this year? Again, don't like to pick quarterbacks early, but if you're going to Lamar Jackson at quarterback four is not that bad of a strategy because Lamar Jackson finished at quarterback one just a couple of years ago. He has the rushing upside that's really unmatched by anybody, and that means he has the potential to really exceed anybody if the the balls roll correct uh, uh, the ball rolls right I, I don't know that's not really a phrase but he could easily be the quarterback one if he has a good passing year and runs for a thousand yards which he's done in the past so if you're going to take a quarterback early it's not a bad shot how will the carries be split the usual i think lamar jackson a lot of course is going to run the ball jk dobbins will and he'll be efficient but it's going to be not i mean jk dobbins will be kept fresh which is good but he's also just, it's going to be taking away too much, I think, especially with Gus Edwards for J.K. Dobbins to really have the same ceiling that a lot of other guys do. He's going to be just outside of that top 20 RBs, maybe borderline top 20. I think he could be an RB2 next year, but is limited by the guys in that backfield. And then Gus Edwards is always interesting because he's kind of a replaceable level of fantasy points to where if you're flexing him, it's not really worth starting him over like a streaming wide receiver. But if you need an RB two, I mean, he's fine and he'll probably outscore his draft position. So there's something to be said for that. It's just the replaceability in general. He, and he doesn't have that much upside, but like RB 56, that's at the end of your drafts. Absolutely. You should, you could take Gus Edwards who could be an RB three next year. Uh, lastly, the Steelers. Who's going to play at QB this year? I think it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky at the start, just like the Steelers have said, we might see some Kenny Pickett. I think I would bet that we'll see a little bit of Kenny Pickett later in the season. Probably not much Mason Rudolph. Maybe we'll see some injuries and see them. But overall, it's not going to be that fun for fantasy, except I think Pickett may be the best option here for fantasy football. Um, it's But, like, you know, it's going to be limiting a lot of these playmakers in this offense. So we'll get to those guys in a moment. Does Najee Harris take a hit, improve, or stay the same this year? I honestly think he might come close to staying the same because I think he's going to have that year two leap off of his incredible rookie year. But at the same time, like I said, those targets may end up going down and that may even cause him to take a slight hit overall, but he's going to be pretty similar, still a bell cow. And this team knows to use him that way by now. So um, uh, yeah, I mean, take Najee Harris in half PPR. Najee Harris is actually the RB six ahead of Joe Mixon. I would take Mixon ahead of Harris, but have Harris as my RB seven in fantasy football. So What's the wide receiver situation for the Ravens? And Rashad Bateman now, as we know, is the wide receiver one in this offense with the departure of Marquise Brown. Bateman is interesting. It's going to be limited upside because we've seen historically the Ravens offense just not throw the ball that much. But Hollywood did have some good seasons and good, really good stretches there in Baltimore. So I think Bateman's going to be inconsistent, but overall end up scoring enough to be top 24 at his position. And he's going at the wide receiver 28. I like how he meshes with Jackson as a kind of a route runner slant uh, guy kind of in space rather than Hollywood, who is more of a deep ball guy. And Lamar's not bad at deep balls. He's a pretty good deep ball thrower, but I would rather have uh, Bateman as kind of an underneath option who can also make big plays. That seems like the best way to mesh with Jackson. And it seems maybe to offset some of that inconsistency. So I, I like Bateman this year for the Ravens. Think he's a value. Um, oh, wait, did I? Oh, shoot. I, I just realized I jumped around a lot. I think I jumped off the Steelers. Uh, oh, wait, what did I do? Okay, I went to the Ravens. Then I went over to the Steelers, then back to the Ravens. Oh, that's interesting. 
Well, I don't know what I did. I think I skipped a question. Sorry about that, guys. That might have been confusing, but I was going back and forth between the Steelers and the Ravens. Last question for the Steelers. Does George Pickens is pre... Wait, here, let me see if there's... Okay, that is the last question. Sorry about that. Yes. I think I looked at what's the wide receiver situation and saw that for the Steelers, and I skipped over the Ravens' last question. So that last thing I didn't analyze was for the Ravens. Otherwise, I was going in order. Now back to the Steelers. Does George Pickens' preseason emergence change the target splits in this offense? And like I said... I think these wide receivers may end up being a little bit more limited by the quarterback play. I think the Deontay Johnson though, is still the clear wide receiver one. And he had a top 10 season last year. So he can be a wide receiver two solidly for you in fantasy football. I don't think George Pickens preseason emergence makes him changing the target splits. I just think that because George Pickens was a guy who's being faded by a lot of injury stuff, but he was also really talented that he has a lot of opportunity to just be really good just because of like, he was a strong prospect just in general. So he's not going to hurt Johnson that much. In my opinion, he's going to hurt chase Claypool who has struggled with inconsistency the first couple of years here. And Chase Claypool's a guy who's hard to take a shot on for me. Like he's wide receiver 47 on fantasy pros. It's the point where you're like, okay, maybe he can give me wide receiver three value, but I like Pickens a lot too. And at wide receiver 56, I think Pickens who is nine spots behind Claypool could easily outperform him next year. And he's shown a lot of talent in preseason and also showed it in college too. I like him as a prospect. I think he's a good receiver. And like, I mean, this was like, I mean, he's got the draft capital and just really got the, I guess, measurables in general. And I mean, he's big. He's six foot three, as I just looked that up. But yeah, I mean, he's a big receiver, good in the red zone. Could really take a lot of that Chase Claypool role and project it to be the starter, one of the starters at wide receiver. All right. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Be sure to check out the other episode that's also in your feed, the AFC East one. Appreciate you downloading and listening, subscribing, all that as always. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.